What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are looking live at VSIN Primetime. Live from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, here's Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel. Welcome in. It is VSIN Primetime. No Tim Murray today. He's on vacation. Adam Burke filling in. I am the aforementioned Jonathan Von Tobel. We've got everything going on here in the studio, including watching gymnastics between number two LSU and number nine Alabama. And speaking of, a welcome. To everybody out there in Auburn, Birmingham, and what about Pensacola? Let's go. Come on, Montgomery Selma. Yes, we got our, our list of folks out there. So WKXAM, if you're listening, I'm talking to you, buddy, pal, gal. What's going on? We have a lot of outreach here. We do. Over 350 radio stations. That's right. Yeah. Across the country. Across the country. Uh, I mean, duh. I don't think there's 350 radio stations like here, so that would make a lot of sense. All right. <laughs> Beeson primer, or our primetime primer, excuse me. We got a couple of games that are set to tip off in the association in the next couple of minutes. We also had some um, uh, college basketball matchups that are just getting started as well, as we'll call them, you know, the, the, the mid-majors, if you will, and a little bit less than that. But we got two matchups, uh, two we've talked about at length already, but we'll give our audience an update because if you've been in, uh, haven't been in or you just got in your car out there in Alabama or anywhere else and you haven't seen any updates, Cleveland and Detroit set the tip off in less than 10 minutes in the NBA. Cleveland going to go off. It is about a seven, six and a half point favorite total of 219. Story here is, is that uh, Cleveland will not have Donovan Mitchell or Karis Levert. So a really big blow for this backcourt uh, as they are a little thin. They are deeper than they were a season ago. But when you have two primary creators, one that was going to come off the bench for you in Levert, the other is your best player in Donovan Mitchell. That uh, is pretty tough. It's also a tough big picture because Donovan Mitchell has missed quite a bit of time post all-star break due to injury and to illness. Uh, so you want to take care of these. And on the surface, you would say it's the Detroit Pistons. Who cares? They stink. Uh, why would you be worried about this? Detroit has low key been covering numbers, folks. Don't let them fool you here. This is, and this is what I was talking about for market ratings, Adam. So I'll bring you here in, in on this. You know, market ratings are always something I bring up, and I think generally I don't explain it a ton, but it's just like it sounds like, you know, what the market thinks about these teams. And generally, you can gauge market rating by looking at where the market goes consistently on some of these teams. And the market really bottomed out on Detroit when they went on that 28-game losing streak. They've been covering numbers at a pretty high clip to the point where in their last 20 games, for example, the Pistons are actually 15-5 against the spread. So, like, they're still a bad team. They're still losing a lot of these games, but their power rating is so low and these numbers are so high that they're actually covering quite a bit. And, in fact, over this 15-5 ATS stretch, they're covering by 6.6 points per game. So this is always a good example of what I talk about with market ratings, especially in long-term sports like this, where you can really latch on to teams and really milk it for all it's worth. It, it happens at times in the NFL, but you only got 17, 18 weeks. In the, in the NBA or in Major League Baseball, when you really can, like, soak this in, Detroit has been one of those teams. If you've been on them for a while, you've been making a lot of money. Yeah, to go to a market that I know and I'm a lot more familiar with, college football, when you lose to an FCS program yeah. in week one or week two or whatever, everybody discards that team. Everybody just throws them away. Now, sometimes they're right. Sometimes that team just isn't very good, and that's the reason why they lost to an FCS team. Other times, you know, things happen. 
And so, you know, you'll find a lot of value, a lot of line equity in backing these teams that lost to an FCS team or maybe lost as a 20-something point favorite to a lesser team, a group of five teams, something like that. And as, as you mentioned, I mean, you may get two, three kicks at the can and something like that in college football. In the NBA, you may get several of them. Mm-hmm. And it takes a long time for the market to catch up sometimes to those types of things. And it, it kind of speaks to, you know, sort of a – it kind of ties back to the discussion we had earlier, the question that you posed to me in the first segment of the show of, you know, will we ever have this discourse where laying big chalk is is acceptable? It's something that people are willing to be in the practice of. It's almost the same thing kind of in a different way here where it's like, if you're as bad as Detroit, right? People don't want to bet as De- people don't want to bet on Detroit. They don't want to include them in their money line parlays. They don't want to include them in their parlay bets, their same game parlays, anything like that. So like people just completely dismiss them mm-hmm. and that's where you tend to get a lot of line equity on a team like that because the books have to respect knowing that their counts are going to be imbalanced. But for people like you, you know, you could jump on it, play the other side, and then wind up with some good line value on, on a bad team. One of my favorite examples, too, and Pat, this is, this is quite a few years ago, but it's, it speaks to, you know, it was our early time here at VSIN, the 2017-2018 NBA season. Now, for people who are going to be like, why are we going all the way back here? That was the year that the Boston Celtics, that was Jason Tatum's rookie year. That was the year they went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, played your Cavaliers. I assume that you're a Cavaliers. You're a Cleveland guy. And lost in seven to LeBron James. When Kyrie Irving went down, dude, that I was betting the crap out of that team because the market got so low, but they're so well coached. They were young and they just kept winning and winning and winning all the way up until the Eastern Conference Finals game seven that they eventually lost to him. But that's one of those things where if you find an edge, man, Detroit's one of those to just keep pounding it because if you're right, you're going to make a lot of money out, especially if you're stubborn. Like the market can be stubborn, but so can you if you're stubborn enough and take care of business there. The other game that's coming up, Charlotte, Philadelphia. We've covered this. I bet Charlotte here. It's 12 across the board. I bet 11 and a half. Uh, totals down to 213 to 12 and a half in some spots. Again, it's just a number. And I like to do these. You tell me if this is a fair exercise. The Charlotte Hornets the other day were in Milwaukee. They were catching 14. They're in Philadelphia today. They're catching two. You're telling me that there's a two-point difference on a neutral between the current iteration of the Philadelphia 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks that you would realistically go into a game right now with the way that these teams are constructed and say, yeah, you know what? In Milwaukee, I'd make this, I'd make this about a, t- a, 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 excuse me, a, a, like a two or three-point spread. Sure. No, you wouldn't. This is all about the number for me. Give me the Hornets every way to Tuesday. I don't care. The number's too big. I'll do it. But line comparison shopping and seeing similar opponents, stuff like that, I like to do it a lot. I don't know if it's a fair exercise or not, but I think it is. it has helped me out quite a bit. And for me, it's all about the number. I'll take it here today. Yeah, I think it's a really fair exercise. I think that makes a ton of sense, especially because, you know, like you said, the current iteration of the 76ers, not really that close to where Milwaukee is. So that is definitely something that I will look to do in other sports, something that, you know, I try to keep in mind. And, you know, look, I mean, it is one of those things where, as we talked about already, the market can take a long time to adjust to certain things. And, you know, look, even though Charlotte's not playing well, that's not really the point here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it is definitely a worthwhile exercise and something that I will do a lot. You know, it's a little bit tougher to do in college basketball, but the nice thing is in college basketball, you know, you get a rematch typically, right, in terms of conference play, where one game is at at home for one team, the next game is at home for the other team. So you can kind of factor in whatever home court advantage means to you. I think it's just kind of a standard issue. Three points is sort of what I think a lot of people do. I don't necessarily believe that, but you'll see, you know, that line difference from the first game to the second game, and there have definitely been times here of late where I've looked at it and gone well that that doesn't look right to me that doesn't seem right and then made a play accordingly yep. all right so those are the two games coming up again in just a couple of minutes uh we will be keeping track of those i'll specifically be contributing uh, keeping track of charlotte and philadelphia i know you i know that you want to know the results so trust me i'll do it and in <laughs> and in in memory he's not gone he's just in hawaii in memory of tim murray i will live and breathe and hang on every second of charlotte philadelphia <laughs> all right every single second we'll do it today um with that I wanted to ask you, uh, I loved him. Uh, I wanted to ask you, we have new markets up and new teams added over at DraftKings to make or miss the NCAA tournament. And this last week was, I thought, very big, especially on Saturday, but just this last week in general, very big for some of these bubble teams because we saw a lot of bubble teams take it on the chin and lose in big fashion. Uh, the one to me that actually sticks out the most, uh, you know, kiss of death, we had Jim Root on like two weeks ago. And I was like, Jim, dude, Ole Miss plus 150 to make the, the NCAA tournament. I bet that the resume is great. They've lost six out of seven and, you know, it looks like now they're going to be on their way out. Lenardi's got them at the next four out. 
these bubble teams, what you're looking at, I, I think there's some really fascinating teams to really make an argument for in terms of we're talking about like laying some prices, right? And I, I want to bring you to one again to keep with the theme of the show, big prices and if there's value in them. Wake Forest to make the NCAA tournament, the yes is minus 285. After getting that win at home over Duke, and look, Wake Forest, the resume is not perfect. I think everything I've seen for this team, they are solidly in the field at this point right now. That was one of those, again, big prices where I looked at and said, in terms of value for Wake, I don't know. I have to look up again what Bracken Matrix has, but Ken Palm's got this as a top 20 team, uh, nearly a top 20 team. I think uh, uh, Bartorvik's pretty high on them, at least in terms of comparison with where they should be. This team, I think, is like well inside the field, are they not? Especially given the way that they played. I know they dropped one to Notre Dame, but I think their resume is good enough now that unless they totally tank out and they're going to be favored to win their next three games, this should be a, this should be a tournament team. Minus 285 seems light. Yeah, Bart Torvik has them 26th. So yeah. right there along the same lines as Ken Palm. Yeah, they're on the road at Virginia Tech. And look, you know, I mean, that road game at Virginia Tech is actually a quad one game. So if yeah. they are able to come away with it, it does look like it's going to be kind of a coin flip type situation in that one. If they are able to come away with that game, I think it would probably solidify them being in the tournament. So, you know, is that something you want to lay minus 285 on? I don't know, but they should beat Georgia Tech and then get a pretty good win over Clemson at home. Clemson that also right now projects to be a quad one game as well. So bracket matrix, I believe, I mean, they take a very large sample size, but yes. I think there are three yeah, they have them four, at a, they three have or four that brackets. don't have them in. Yeah, they have 104 brackets with Wake Forest. Yeah. So what do they do? 108, I think, right? Something uh, like that. That sounds right. Uh, yeah. With an average seed of 10.6, so an 11 seed. And like you look at some of the more well-known bracketologists out there, uh, Wake Forest, not even uh, right now, last four buys for Lenardi, and they're the third team in there. So they have FAU, Nevada, then Wake Forest, and Virginia. So again, boring a complete meltdown here, which could theoretically happen. Uh, this team seems to have a, a, fir a foot firmly planted in the tournament. And the other part about it that I think is really big is that the teams on the outside are kind of falling apart. You right. know, I mentioned Ole Miss. Texas A&M is another team. St. John's is interesting. We'll talk about them momentarily. But I think that's part of the argument, too. It's not only Wake Forest's resume. It's the teams behind them aren't doing much for themselves. Yeah, and I think something else that's important to talk about, too, the selection committee. Mm -hmm. If they have the chance to take an ACC team that has beaten Duke and has had a pretty good season over a mid-major, they will do it. They are almost always going to do that because it's not about the student athlete. It's about the dollar sign. Wake Forest has a much bigger following than, say, a Richmond or somebody like that. So if it winds up coming down to that type of situation, they are taking Wake Forest. So there's also a little bit of human bias here. I think that should be factored into this price that if two teams are on a similar level and one's in a power conference and one isn't, they're taking a power conference team. All right, we have our, we have, uh, our guests coming up at 15, so we can talk about this more on the other side. But the other team that really stuck out, and we have to get to our baseball previews too, St. John's to make the tournament, yes, minus 180? I don't know about that one. Well, let's talk about that. Think about that. Chew on it for a second. But minus 180, yes, for St. John's to make it in the NCAA tournament. Seems a little bit high. Coming up in 15, uh, we're going to have Jared Smith with us. And also on the other side, not only will we discuss St. John's, their helps to make it in the NCAA tournament, we also have to get to our divisional previews of Major League Baseball. we got two to knock out today before we send you off into the weekend. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests we are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN.com, folks, check it out. Absolutely spectacular, fresh looking website. Looks brilliant. Mobile first focus as well, so you can pull it up easily on your phone. Check it out. Functionality has been improved. And if you haven't been on the website before, if you're not a pro subscriber, remember, you actually get articles for free at first off. So check out what we have to offer, man. Come on. It's absolutely worth your time. VSIN.com today. All right. So you've had time to chew on this. We were also talking about food during the break. St. John's minus 180. Yes. To make the NCAA tournament right now. Bracket Matrix is, again, a very good site that it, that it takes you know, for people who are listening to us, because I think we bring it up all the time and for our new audience, maybe doesn't really understand it uh, because we, we reference it as some sort of Bible almost. Bracket Matrix essentially takes 100, what, 108, is it? Or 109 no. uh, brackets from all around the Internet and accumulates them together to give you just kind of an average of where these teams end up. So it just gives you an idea of a lot of people who follow this and give you an idea of where these teams are at with the grand thinking. So generally, it it's falls within like, you know, certain range of outcomes, but generally it's a pretty solid thing to look at to gauge where teams are at. 15, as of right now, 15 out of 109 brackets has St. John's in as an average of an 11 seed. But the betting market says yes, minus 180. Lenardi, if you want a more recognizable name for those out there, have them as the first four out, and they're the fourth team on the first four out. They're on the verge of getting in the next four out. Minus $1.80 for St. John's. Yeah, I mean, I, I think their strength of schedule metrics are kind of carrying their chances a little sure. bit here. You know, they have, uh, according to Bart Torvik, they have the eighth-ranked overall schedule in the country. So they definitely played some good teams. But again, I mean, there's just been a lot of losses for them here of late. Do have the nice wins over Creighton and Butler that put them probably back on the bubble. But, you know, they got DePaul this uh, this upcoming Tuesday, Georgetown this upcoming, or next Saturday. They'll be a massive favorite in both of those games, so those won't really tell us anything. It'll come down to what they do in the Big East tournament. I mean, do they have to win a couple of games, get to the semifinals? Do they have to get to the championship game? Obviously, if they win it, they'll be in. But yeah, I just I, I'm not I'm not terribly impressed with with St. John's resume. Not that I'm super impressed with Wake Forest either, but I mean somebody's got to make the tournament yeah. with one of those eleven seeds. But I do think right now, you know, Wake Forest again. I think recency kind of comes into play here too, right? I mean, they just beat Duke. You beat Duke, you get noticed. Yep. And there's a lot of recency bias that comes into this whole selection process. I just, I'm amazed by it. And especially like, look, you mentioned like the wins, you beat Creighton Butler, like you won three straight. I guess you're, you're starting to potentially turn things around. You would assume they're going to end the regular season on a five game winning streak. Cause you mentioned a Paul in Georgetown. And the thing that does go for them, they are 40th in net ranking right now, 
So, you know, committee will, of course, look at that and, and, and take that into consideration. I just find that the, there's this big, this big difference, right, in terms of where a lot of the bracketologists who follow this, again, over 100 of them, view St. John's. That's where the betting market currently views St. John's. So it is fascinating. And one that I wrote down immediately was like, man, like that does seem a little off market, but uh, that's about it. Do you, any of these? I told you to look at some of these. Did any of them stick out in terms of maybe some odds to make or miss the NCAA tournament before we move on to baseball? No, I mean, I thought those were definitely the two. I think Indiana State's going to be kind of an interesting one because, as I mentioned, you know, the the selection committee doesn't want an Indiana State in the field to go out there and then knock off some big-name team and then potentially knock off another one to get to the Sweet 16, something like that. So that kind of concerns me. I mean, I, to me, I think the Sycamores need to win the conference tournament to get in i think that if they make the championship game i don't think it matters that much i think they have to win the tournament to get in i know right now they're minus 115 both ways but again i just don't think the selection committee is going to give the benefit of the doubt to a mid-major yeah and by the way for those wondering uh yes no it's a pick for the india for the indiana state sycamores there too uh, to make the ncaa tournament they're also one of those teams that are fascinating too because you get teams in there like grand canyon the assumed winners of their conference tournaments where you're essentially betting, will this team win their conference tournament to become an automatic qualifier? Now, Indiana State, I think resume-wise, are they good enough to still just make it in as an at-large? I don't think so, right? I mean, I, I would say I know the metrics not. really like them, but like in terms I mean, of they're ranking an elite and other. offensive yeah. team. They are a truly elite offensive team. And, and honestly, I mean, the Missouri Valley Conference is a pretty good mid-major. It's... You know, it's maybe not quite as strong as it has been in the past, but there are still some very, very good teams there. If they win Arch Madness, they will have earned it. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the bracket matrix, 107 out of 109 have them in. Now, a lot of that also probably has to do with the fact that they will be favored to win that conference tournament. So, I don't know. I, I just, again, I, I always look with a lot of skepticism about any mid-major having to be an at-large mm -hmm. team. All right, with that, we move on. Let's talk about some baseball here as we continue our divisional previews. AL Central, the focus uh, now. We will also get to our other division, the AL West, at some point today, too. Minnesota Twins, the odds-on favorite. Yes, the actual odds-on, for those who don't know your Atlanta price. Minus 115 to win the American League Central over at DraftKings. Tigers follow that up at plus 350, as do your Guardians, Adam. Kansas City Royals at plus 850. Chicago White Sox at 40 to 1. Let's start with the Minnesota Twins. Always pretty fascinating when you see a divisional favorite with a minus sign next to their name, considering the arduous nature of a baseball season. Do the Twins deserve to be this big of favorites to win the AL Central? Are they that far ahead of what the AL Central has to offer with the Tigers, Guardians, Royals, and White Sox? I, I really don't think that they are. And this is, again, full disclosure, Cleveland guy, Guardians fan. Try to be as objective about that team as I possibly can. I don't think that the Twins are that much better. I mean, you've got a guy on Carlos Correa who, you know, his health is always a question. Byron Buxton is hurt every single year, mm -hmm. which is a damn shame because he's a phenomenal player, very, very dynamic player when he's out there, but he's hurt all the time. Yeah, Pablo Lopez, who was really, really good for the Twins last season. I think he's a guy who's still underrated despite how good he is. Joe Ryan, quality guy. And they may actually get a little bit fortunate. You know, again, I never like to make light of injuries, but they may get fortunate that Anthony DiSclefani, who they picked up in a trade from Seattle, is dealing with an arm injury right now because Louis Varland is probably going to slot into the rotation. And to me, I think he's better than DiSclefani is. So I do like this Twins rotation. Bailey Ober is an interesting guy. He's 6'9", so he's very hard to face for the first time. You can kind of adjust a little bit as you see him a little bit more. But, you know, they don't have a good bullpen on an annual basis, and they're still going with the same primary guys here this season. And the position player group, there's a lot of injury risk with a lot of these guys here. So while I think that the Twins ultimately probably do win this division, I would not lay a price on them. I don't think that they're that clear cut of the team to win this. Yeah, and I think there's you mentioned some of the potential for the rotation. Um, I think there, there's like a small chance that Chris Paddock becomes what people thought Chris Paddock could be, right? Yeah. Which is something there that you're kind of buying low on. But I would generally agree. I was kind of surprised when looking over everything that minus 115 was the price. And especially like, and not to curry favor with you, but to go to your team, for example, Cleveland, when you just know that Cleveland and how they handle their starting rotation and what they get out of it and what they currently have at it, right? At the top of Shane Bieber, if Tristan McKenzie comes back and is no anywhere near like the guy he was to, you know, two seasons ago before he got hurt and an injury real season last year, which he only made four starts. You've got two guys at the top that are actually absolutely fantastic. Is it Bibby or Bybee? 
Bybee. It's Bybee. That's what I thought. So Bybee can be absolutely great, too. A projected ERA floating around just under four, depending on where you look. You've got three guys at the top of this rotation that are absolutely brilliant. You tell me, I mean, like, if we're, ta- if we're taking a shot here, is it with the Guardians or is it with the Tigers? Because I, I gravitate more toward a team that has arms like the Guardians do. Yeah, it's uh, to me, I think it's a really difficult question to answer, especially because yesterday we had Derek Stevens and the boys in here. There are a lot of things I do like about the Detroit Tigers as well. For Cleveland, again, the rotation will carry them as it does more often than not. If Bieber is truly back and he went to driveline baseball up in up in Washington, where so many players have gone to work on a variety of different things, he actually elevated his velocity and the curveball came back to where it was. If those two developments are actually real, then Shane Bieber is not only the frontline guy in this rotation, he's also a Cy Young candidate. Mm-hmm. Tristan McKenzie, I don't know. I don't really love it when guys don't go the surgical route when they have UCL damage. He didn't. We'll see what happens. But Tanner Bybee was phenomenal last year. He's a guy that coming up through the minor leagues, people said he was the next Shane Bieber because of his strikeout and walk numbers. Logan Allen, solid left-handed guy, kind of a change of pace lefty. But I've seen a lot of people in the fantasy baseball community expecting a big-time leap from Gavin Williams, who was a guy who was a strikeout machine down in the minor leagues, came up, pitched well at the MLB level last year, barrel rate under 6%. Doesn't give up a lot of home runs. That's going to play at the Major League Baseball level. This rotation is very, very good. It's the lineup that you have to worry about. Now, not to dive too deep into the weeds here, but Zach Meisel over at The Athletic, who does a phenomenal job as the Guardians beat writer, he wrote a piece recently. The Guardians, their biggest skill is they make a ton of contact, but they don't make authoritative contact. Mm -hmm. They did not hit home runs last season. I think they were dead last in Major League Baseball in home runs, slugging percentage, a bunch of other power-related categories, hard hit percentage, barrel rate, stuff like that. They do not hit the ball hard. But that is their entire focus here in spring training. It's to say, look, you guys have elite zone awareness. You guys have elite contact rates. But let's try to drive the baseball a little bit more. If they can do that, if they're not playing the Super 2 contract game with Kyle Manzardo, and maybe Chase DeLauder shows up here at some point too, if this offense can be somewhere in the realm of league average with this starting staff, This is a remarkably dangerous team. They need the bullpen to bounce back a little bit, too. So it's a lot of ifs for Mm -hmm. Cleveland. That's the problem that I have. There are fewer ifs for Minnesota than there are for Cleveland and Detroit. I mean, isn't it a vast majority of all these teams, though? It's all a bunch of ifs. Win total is 78 and a half for the Cleveland Guardians. We're not done with this division by a long shot. We'll get back to this coming up in about 15 minutes. But on the other side, Jared Smith will be with us to discuss a little bit of baseball. Yes, no run first inning, college basketball. I mean, Jared can hit it all. This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel on VSIN, the sports betting network. an annual subscription folks it's only $199 for the year if you use the promo code prime p-r-i-m-e you get the daily best bets on the leaderboard the betting splits courtesy of DraftKings. we do have our march madness betting guide coming up as well but i always stress to our audience there's a lot more stuff up there we have articles in every single sport every single day and what i believe to be the most underrated thing we have on the website the daily player prop analyzer for the nba giving you guys records at current numbers past what numbers were where they're at now it's a great tool all part of a pro subscription check it out now vcin.com slash subscribe use a promo code prime p-r-i-m-e to get that discount all right prime time jvt adam burke tim murray on vacation he will be back on monday but with that it's our usual cast of characters uh, jared smith is with us now fresh off of uh what would you do? Was it a birthday vacation? Were you ring it? Were you reading uh, the Hunger Games out there? What were you doing? <laughs> it was a birthday vacation, so my my birthday was on Wednesday. I, I turned thirty eight years old, um, and it was actually Damn. the first birthday I had spent with my family in Florida in like a decade. Because you know the deal, JBT. Usually, right after the Super Bowl is when everyone takes off, and you know the 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 gruntlings like me have to do all the work, so I don't get to take off. Um, February as much as I usually uh, do. So I haven't been home in a while. I got a chance to spend some time with family. 
uh, refreshed, recharged, now ready for March Madness. But thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Yeah. Happy birthday. And uh, yeah, I know, how it's like, I, I, I know how it's like because I, I have yet to uh, give a day off. That's fine. It's fine. No, it's, it's what I'm here for. It's what I'm here for. My co-host is in Maui, and, and here I am. So, uh, all right, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about uh, some college basketball before we move on, maybe some other topics. So I wanted to ask you, um, we do have up at, at markets like a DraftKings, we have some odds uh, to make – the uh, NCAA tournament. Would you ever, these are kind of new the last couple of years, this year specifically, we're getting a lot more teams. Would you want to get involved with a market like this? Like one of the things that I brought up, Jared, was St. John's, yes, minus 180 to make the NCAA tournament. Seems strong to me. Would you want to get involved in a market like this or is there too many factors that would keep you away from something like it? Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind it. I, I think the strategy towards the end of the regular season, it, it is kind of unique in a sense to where you have a lot of it, especially in the mid-major conferences, where you have teams that have already clinched the number one seed and all they care about is the conference tournament because, let's be honest, that's their only chance of making the NCAA tournament. So you have situations where you know chalky favorites in those mid-majors are being priced at a, at a you know spot where they're probably the motivation's not quite there for them to exceed a number. Um, I think the Patriot League's a perfect example. We got a couple games tomorrow with Colgate and uh, American Lehigh. I think these are teams that are fighting for seeding. So you look at situations like that. I think there's value late in the year with the lines. The the prop market in the in the future section it's a little tougher. The one bet that I made already was UConn to make the Final Four. I got it at plus 130 uh, about a week or two ago. It was right after the loss to Creighton. Um, Again, I I think a lot of those teams, it's kind of like an hourglass where once we get to the tournament, um, especially like a UConn, I think might even be odds on to make the Final Four at that stage. So um, that's kind of where I would maybe invest a little bit right before the tournament. The conference tournaments are, are absolutely fantastic. I actually like betting the conference tournament futures a little bit more than the NCAA tournament futures, and we should hopefully get some of those markets coming soon once the seedings get set. Yeah, I actually asked. Uh, we have a Slack channel where we have access to some of the people that are traders and you know sportsbook managers and all that over at DraftKings, and they said that they're hoping to get odds out within a half hour of the tournament field being set for these conference tournaments. So we should have a lot of those available very, very quickly over at DraftKings. And Jerry, to that point, I don't want to go too far in the weeds here with people, but are you just looking to play the straight futures prices or are you a money line rollover guy where you know you bet on that first game and then just keep it going if there's a team that you like from a future standpoint? Adam, that's such a great question because so many people like they right, we see the ladder challenges, we see the rollovers, like they're becoming very popular now. And I think the underlying question is what value do they have? And before you start one of these, you have to ask yourself, if you do go on a roll and you win two or three in a row, you have to put yourself in the mindset where you are willing to make that last bet, which is a large wager. And depending on how far the rollover goes, it could be a significantly large wager, larger than any wager that you make during the course of the regular season. And I think that psychological element makes the rollover very difficult to accomplish. So for the average player, I would recommend just betting the future because you're probably not going to be able to extract the most value anyways, unless you are incredibly disciplined and you make every bet to the letter and you get to that last leg and you're not skimming any off the top. So that discussion is a personal question. Every better has to make with themselves. Um, me, I don't bet enough to where I think the, 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 the value really matters. I, I think I prefer the futures because it's a little bit cleaner. But I've done a couple rollovers in the past, and it's gotten to the end, and it gets stressful. I, I, I fully admit it gets stressful. So I think that is, again, a personal question that you have to make, and obviously the price also matters a lot. Um, and before JVT asks, I just want to make a counterpoint here that the nice thing about doing a rollover is then you don't have to bet more to make a hedge. Your hedge is either you stop the money line rollover or you kind of take some of the winnings that you have and then make kind of a partial bet going forward. So that's the flip side of the right, coin. They're kind of the counterpoint. Yeah, no, and, and, that's, and, to, and that's the battle you have to ask yourself before starting one of these strategies, right? I wouldn't recommend just starting one just willy-nilly. You have to really plan it out and know how many rounds you might have to go and what, at what point. It's almost like a video game or almost like a game show, like a deal or no deal, like when you're getting the offer, right? And it's, you, you have to kind of make that negotiation with yourself before you start, and then you have to kind of plot it out. Because, listen, it could be thousands, you know, 10x, 100x times more what you normally would wager on a game once you get to the end of the rainbow there, and that could be a very, very stressful bet to make. Jared Smith with us. Jared Lee Smith up on Twitter as well. Uh, All right, let's get to the weekend here. Uh, We got uh, the Big Ten, of course, among all the other conferences in action, Uh, but I bring that up because I know that you've got an angle here. Obviously, home court has been strong in a lot of these conferences. It seems no more so than in the Big Ten. 
Absolutely. And JBT, usually when we look at the trends, right, a lot of them are shorter horizons and they just don't show you as much. And that is true with this. Like the Big Ten over the last two seasons in about 250 data points is sitting at 58%, the home teams and conference games ATS. And the reason why I think that's significant is because every other Power Five conference, Big 12's at 51%, ACC 51%, Pac-12 at 51%, Big East is at 45%, and the SEC also under 500 at 49%. I, it's a short sample, but then I elongated the sample, and I got to 1,000 data points over the last nine seasons, and the Big Ten still is at the top of that list, 54.5%. The next closest is the ACC at 51.5%. The other four Power Five conferences all under 500. These are home conference games over the last nine years. Now, does that mean you should just bet all the home teams in the Big Ten? No. Obviously, there's another element to this. I, I think a game that will probably be bet up tomorrow that you might get some value in is this Wisconsin game. Um, you know, you're going to get a lot of that home, you know, unranked home favorite vibes, I'm sure. And that probably will inflate the number a little bit. So if you get in early, Ken Palm does make it a one point game for Wisconsin. So I think Wisconsin on a short money line price, minus 120, minus 130 is probably fair, but I wouldn't stretch it any further than that. And I, I think Ohio State, you know, they, they, they had the nice spark and then kind of came back to earth a little bit. I, I still think they've been hot over the last couple games and they can continue that they've got a home game too um so i would look i would obviously lean to all the home teams but i think wisconsin and ohio state really stand out to me all right jared how much are you watching the combine what are you looking for how much <laughs> does it affect your handicap going into the nfl draft i actually i've been watching a bit and i've been telling adam like i think this is important to kind of get a hang of some of the names that aren't just playing quarterback i think it's a good time to get ready so that you can be ready when those numbers finally appear if and when they do I love the combine. It is more um, information gathering. I don't make any final decisions. I think the biggest thing, the biggest adjustment that I'm starting to make with how I view the draft is I'm more interested in handicapping the team's assessment than just my assessment of these players. Because frankly, my assessment of these players is irrelevant. I have to look through the lens of the, the, the GMs and the scouting and, you know, all of the execs that are grading these players. So I'm more interested on the team side of it. I want to hear what they're saying. I'm not as concerned if these guys say dumb things because some teams might like it. And I think it's more about which coaches mesh with which players and GMs and scouts kind of, you you might hear some rumblings about some things. A lot of it's probably misinformation. It seems like more of it these days is misinformation. So just be careful with what you absorb. And again, I, I look at it. I, I think the best way to look at it, don't try to assess the players or analyze the players or scout the players. Scout the teams and their analysis of the players. That's where you might find some more answers. Jared, we appreciate the time today, buddy. You all right? You're not on camera. Did you get sunburned out there? What's going on? <laughs> no, listen, you know, you get back from a, from a, from a two-day trip and you spend, you know, the entire day with my sister and her three kids that are all eight and younger. Mm. You know, you need a day to recover when you get home, JV. I have no idea. We're going to have windburn tomorrow. I'm an experienced father like yeah. you. You know, I, you, you, you handle this on a regular basis, but yeah. this is new for me. I do. I do. I love them dearly, I swear. All right, Jared, we appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Good stuff, guys. By the way, the Hornets are only uh, uh, winning by one point here. 33-32, 10-20 left to go in the second. I forgot that I was going to live and die and breathe and hang on every single point scored. Yeah. I mean, they're about to go down by one here. So if this free throw is made, I'll be – I'm trying to think of a fancy word. Perturbed. Perturbed? Yeah, that was one. If, I, if there was one on my, the tip of my tongue, but I didn't want to say it and sound like an idiot. So uh, can't do that. Can't do that. Come on now. Oh, no, he missed the free throw. All right, we're still good. 33 all, 10-25 left to go in the second quarter. All right, when we come back, we continue our previews of the American League Central. We have two more teams to talk about at the bottom. We'll also, like we did yesterday, talk about something. People like the awards. They like the futures. So we can discuss maybe if there's a, maybe the, the most popular award candidate coming out of the AL Central. I'll tell you who I think it is when we come back. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. 
Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel on VSIN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app, use promo code VSIN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Adam Burke is here filling in for Tim Murray. He's on vacation. He'll be back on Monday. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Question for you. Yes, sir. Do you have any betting superstitions? I think I have one. I don't know if it is one or not, but it's generally one that I, it's something I do every day. So I had one when I was still alive in Survivor, and it was that I didn't watch the game that we picked. Ooh, okay. I, I would watch, you know, whatever else on Sunday ticket or watch the Browns if they were on at the same time, but I, I would not watch our survivor pick. Okay. So for me, when I, uh, for the NBA, so I have League Pass, right? So in League Pass, you can pick the stream of the game. So you can watch the Hornets stream or the 76ers stream. I always watch the stream of the team that I have bet on. I don't know why. It, and I, don't, I cannot correlate like anything to it, but I just I need to watch the stream of the team I bet on. And there are times where I'll be watching a game and it won't be going well, and I'll check what stream I'm on. I'm like, ah, I'm on the wrong stream. Like this is exactly the reason why I'm losing this game. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like guys that play the dark side of craps would watch the the stream or listen to the stream of the team that they didn't bet on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, okay. so you're yeah, just yeah. kind of you're with the community. I just want you know, I just want a positive vibe. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. I, I don't I don't want I don't want to hear about how the team I'm betting against is doing so well. No. Also, I don't that really listen to the sound a lot, so that's a that's another part of it. Uh, all right, I just felt like well, asking you that because I just, just switched over to the Hornets stream, which by the way, 48-38 Hornets up on top, seven one left to go in the second. Uh, the close is about twelve point underdogs here. Uh, nothing, nothing is guaranteed. I just watched the Clippers blow a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter the other night. Uh, there is no celebrating uh, at any point until uh, the fat lady sings or the lady who may or may not get mugged by one of our uh, audio engineers after the show <laughs> to get some money from. I don't know. Uh, all right. We're continuing our analysis on the <laughs> AL Central. Uh, we love you, Sean. Um, oh, that is wow. not an accusation. It does not actually happen. The AL Central, we didn't talk about the bottom two teams here, so let's start with the Kansas City Royals, which... 
I will say I am, I'm going to use the I word. I don't think I want to bet anything about Kansas City, but I think it's hard not to be intrigued by Kansas City, right? I mean, obviously, you have one of the best young players uh, in Major League Baseball, Bobby Witt Jr., uh, who just got his deal done with Kansas City. You've got some pieces in this lineup that I think have some real potential to be kind of fun. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino, Pasquantino, right? That's where you're doing this? Uh Thank you. I was going too fast. Uh, projected to maybe hit about like 25-ish bombs this year. You've still got Sal Perez. Like there's things to like about the lineup that's got some pop to it, some excitement to it. Uh, and then when you look at their projected starting rotation, it leaves a lot to be desired, especially on the back end. But like that's why I call them intriguing. Like on the surface, they you tell me if I'm wrong. On a day-to-day basis, Kansas City looks like a team that would project to play a lot of high-scoring games. Mm. Rotation and potential uh. of lineup. I, I don't know okay. if that's the case. I actually like this rotation a good okay. amount. All right. uh, Cole Reagans, I mean, when he came over from Texas, just he set the world on fire. Like, all of a sudden, he looked like a completely different dude. I don't know if it's wholly sustainable or not. I'd like to think so. But he was very, very strong for Kansas City here. Michael Waka, veteran guy, good changeup. You know, a guy that they're bringing in to eat innings. I mean, there's no question about that. They don't really have a whole lot of you know, depth in the starting rotation. They don't have a whole lot of prospects to get super excited about. They've got some guys that are okay. They have a lot of building to do organizationally. You know, when you kind of sell your soul as a smaller mid-market team to go out there and win, you know, you're trading away prospects, you're spending money that maybe you don't have. You kind of need to catch up on that a little bit. And that's sort of the position that the Royals have been in for the last few seasons. But I like Seth Lugo. I'm a Brady Singer believer still. You know, he got very unlucky last year. Mm -hmm. Like, just his hard hit percentage was through the roof. His barrel percentage was through the roof. He was a guy that just didn't seem fully comfortable. And then kind of got a little bit better as the season went along. And, you know, according to all reports out of spring, he's throwing the ball very, very well. The bullpen, I will admittedly say, I have absolutely no idea what to expect from them. But I, I kind of like this team. I, you know, I, I've been writing through my AL East previews here so far. I got four of them posted over at vcin.com. Posted Tampa Bay here earlier this morning, which so far has been my favorite season win total play uh, of the AL East teams that I've done. But in looking at this as of now, and I haven't done a full deep dive on Kansas City, just kind of a surface level look right now. I like over 73 and a half, I think. Okay, I wouldn't call yeah. it absolutely a play right now. But I think this is a team that should absolutely improve. Yeah, so we're, I'm intrigued because they do think they can have a positive season. So I guess the path that they got there is where we diverge in terms of the analysis. And, and I think part of my, my flaw when it comes to getting ready for the baseball season is I do take a lot of these major projections from these sites and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not to heart, but like I, I buy into them a little bit, right? So like when I, when I talk about the projections for the rotation for Kansas City, for example, you know, it comes from looking at fan graphs and seeing that like Walk is projected for a 459. You've got Jordan Lyles projected to be in here still. Uh, for this team too and so being able to kind of understand the nuances of these guys I think is where I fall short which is why I like talking to you about some of these things but either way I would agree with you I think Kansas City is a really intriguing team that's got some excitement built into it that could be the very least a pain in the ass for a lot of these teams as you go throughout the season especially when you got a lead guy uh, in Bobby Wood Jr. Let's go to the bottom any hope at all like what is the Chicago White Sox what are the Chicago White Sox this season. It's funny because they're a team that almost every year, especially in the Chicago, I don't know how my Twitter feed has devolved into a lot of people from Chicago, but every year it seemed that it was, hey, White Sox are going to bounce back this year. Hey, White Sox, yeah, they're on the way up. This is it. And then now all of a sudden, here we are. Win total is 63 and a half, 22 to 1, just to make the playoffs so far this season. And you look around at the rotation, you look at everything, you're kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, kind of get what's going on here. How bad does this get for the White Sox? Well, it certainly looks bad. Yes. Well, that season win total is 63 and a half. I will say, kind of on principle, I don't play the extremes with season win totals. I typically don't play the really high or the really low ones because those teams will either be really good or really bad. And it's just a matter of to what degree. You know, there's not really a wide range of outcomes with these teams. There is not a wide range of outcomes for the White Sox. They will be bad. Yep. And they will probably trade Dylan Cease at some point throughout the course of the season as well. And frankly, they need to. And can I interrupt really quickly? Because I'll just say this, and I always give Doug Kazarian credit for this. Let's say that, you know, you think that there's actually value because in win totals, they're a little different from projections where projections tend to be scrunched together and Mm -hmm. win totals seem to be more spread out. And so I think you can make the case that like, oh, I would bet over 63 and a half. But I always give Doug Kazarian credit for this line of thinking. You might see value in it. 
do you really want to bet over 63 and a half though and watch this team and and need them to win you know what i mean like 64 right. more games it's not good for your health no it's, it's not good for your health at all and honestly watching this team on a regular basis will not be good for your health either because you know as i said i mean they will probably trade cease who frankly wasn't all that good last season anyway mm-hmm. they're really hoping that eric fetty can come back from pitching over in korea and kind of replicate the success that he had over there. But this is a guy with a career 541 ERA, 517 FIP, over 450 innings. So we're not talking about a sample size that you completely want to discard. Okay, fine. Maybe Michael Kopech will bounce back a little bit. Last year, you know, he seemed to get fatigued at various points throughout the course of the season, but I'm not buying that. He walks way too many guys. Mike Soroka has, like, barely pitched in the last three years, last four years, really. So, no, I'm not buying anything in that. And Chris Flexen is a pitch-to-contact guy that has a command problem. Also a guy who went over to Asia, had some success, came back. The Mariners were like, okay, we play in a really good pitcher's park. It's a big yard. We play in the AL West. There's a lot of bad offensive ballparks there. Oh, we'll take a shot on Chris Flexen. He was good for two years. Last year, he was awful. And this year, he doesn't have the safety net of a really, really good pitcher's park at home where, you know, you approximately make half of your appearances. So I think this rotation will be incredibly awful. The lineup doesn't impress me at all either. I mean, Max Stassi's a decent player. Martin Molinado is a great defensive catcher. But, you know, the biggest thing for the White Sox, I mean, their top prospects can't stay healthy. And some of them have been a bust. Yohan Moncada has not been what he's supposed to be. Luis Robert Jr. has been really good, but Eloy Jimenez can't stay healthy. There's there's not much to like about this team at all. Is Robert on the team by the end of the year? If I'm in the White Sox front office, I absolutely trade him. I think you you have to tear this thing completely down and hope that you hit on both the Luis Robert and Dylan Cease deals, you know, and, and hope that you get five, six impact guys that can help you out. All right, so we talk futures here in the American League Central. Uh, we mentioned Kansas City. I think a candidate potentially go over their win total, correct? I think I so, wanna, yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah. Uh, fun futures that people like to bet. American League Cy Young. Shane Bieber at 30 to one or better, or do you want to, you want it better than 30 to one? What would be the buy price for you on Shane Bieber to win the Cy Young? 30 to one might, might be fairly close because the guardians also might be the best defensive team in all of baseball this season. So that's something you also want to handicap in these pitcher markets. You do need the strikeouts, but also you need the ERA and some of those run peripherals to follow suit. Also, I mean, if Cleveland's offense does get a little bit better, he'll be in position to win a lot of games too. So yeah, I mean, I think at 30 to one, again, I I need to know that he's getting to opening day healthy. Like I want to see him throw the ball a little bit in spring training, have an extended outing, maintain his velocity from the first inning to the fourth or fifth inning. You know, that's something that I really, really do want to see with him, but 30 to one for a guy that if he's fixed has a track record of being remarkably good in a contract year, no less. I think it would definitely be of some interest to me. All right, you sparked something in my brain. I have a question for you when we come back uh, when it comes to handicapping these awards markets. We'll answer that. Get to our primetime primer for the 5 o'clock starts in the NBA and more. Don't go anywhere. It's final hour. Decent primetime coming up next. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.